Okay. Hi, we'll try again. Welcome to the 100-pounder, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, uh, workshop. My name is Rachel. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Hi. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now. We remind you that this session is being taped. All speakers must sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will share for 20 minutes each, followed by questions from the floor to the panelists. Uh, Would somebody like to be timekeeper? Uh, The topic for this session is 100-pounder, no matter how far down the scale we have gone. The following is a reading from the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, page IX9. We of Overeaters Anonymous have found in the fellowship a way to recover from the disease of compulsive overeating. After years of guilt over repeated failures to control our eating and our weight, we now have a solution that works. Our solution is a program of recovery, a program of 12 simple steps. By following these steps, thousands of compulsive overeaters have stopped eating compulsively. In a way, we have no program of diets and exercise, no scales, no magic pills. What we do have to offer is far greater than any of these things, a fellowship in which we find and share the healing power of love. Our common bonds are two— the disease of compulsive eating from which we all have suffered, and the solution that we all are finding as we live by the principles embodied in these steps. All right, our first speaker is Evelyn. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to hand my pictures out. My name is Evelyn. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm from the San Fernando Valley. For those of you who don't know where that is, it's slightly above Los Angeles. It's cooler there. (laughs) Even though we always hold the record in the county for how hot we are, I'm going, hey, it's cooler at home. Um, I, uh, let's see, I'm a 100-pounder. I have uh, 26 years of abstinence in this program, and I've been maintaining a loss of 115 pounds for 24 and a half of these. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, my story is slightly different. Okay. I was always fat. I was a less than 15 pound baby. Okay. When I was a hundred, when I was uh, 11 years old, I was already a hundred pounds overweight. For some of us or people like me who are not into self care, I'm the kind of woman that, uh, that combs her hair once a day, whether it needs it or not. You, you can see my, uh, my beautiful curls have gone. And somebody said, aren't you going to comb your hair? And I go, no, I don't have time. <laughs> but, um, For some of us, at one point, 
losing 100 pounds is, is, is like number eight on our hip parade, and it's not number one. I was, never, you know, I was never a pretty woman. I was never a woman that had a pretty face. Uh, I also tend to be hyperactive and loud and obnoxious. You know, so at one point, um, losing 100 pounds was, was not high on my agenda. And so I just accepted that this was God's will for me. Okay, because my whole life was a mess. Uh, even though I tend to be highly, highly organized, but I couldn't see the forest for the trees. So I didn't come into OA till I was 42. The reason that I came into OA was because, uh, and it wasn't to lose 115 pounds, which caused me a lot of problems in the first couple years. Uh, the reason I came in is I wanted to be well. I knew that the God that I had, would I would still be working two, two full-time jobs. I would still, you know, uh, be riding a bicycle because I didn't own a car. I'd be still living in low-income housing. I have a 10th grade education, and I'd live to be 105, you know. And I wanted to accept that as that's God's will for me and because I couldn't accept it. And I kept wasting a lot of energy fighting, 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 fighting. And, and um, I was briefly married. Uh, when I was in my mid-twenties, uh, and, I, and I had a daughter, and I'm not a good mother. I wasn't a good mother. Um, because I, I didn't know until I came into a way that I was frightened. You know, I was frightened for her. We lived in low-income housing, and my daughter is larger than life than I am. And she was a runaway and was on the streets no matter what. She, could, she was just like a little rat. She could, you know, go through the size of a quarter and be out out and gone. And I was always afraid that something was going to happen to her. But I, 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 and I didn't know until I came here that I was afraid. Because I was the kind of woman, I don't, you know, I, I never locked the doors of my house in low-income housing. And I didn't lock my, my car doors either, you know. Until I came into to OA and found out that I needed to be more afraid. You know, I go, you know, what are these people going to mess with me, you know. I, I was looking to kill somebody so I could get solitary confinement, you know. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be left alone. <laughs> anyway, I came into OA, and I came in kind of sideways because uh, I wanted to get well. I wanted, I, I know now that I, what I wanted were the promises in this program. And when somebody would say to me, oh, I'll be your sponsor, you know, and I go, what do you want? And I go, I want a smile on my face. I want to be able to sleep through the night. I want to get rid of the 72 people who are talking in my head. I want to have peace of mind. And they would look at me and go, um, don't you want to lose 115 pounds? And I would go, no, I want a smile on my face. You know, and I would say, I don't care if I lose 115 pounds or not. I just want to be calmer. I want to be happy. And... So I couldn't get a lot of people to help me, you know, because I kind of was under the radar in many ways. What I did do is I fell in with a group of people in Overeaters Anonymous who were not successful in this program. And they raised me for two years. And they convinced me that my job was not to get abstinent in this program. My job was to get well. Because I was wasting a lot of energy going, I'm not abstinent. You know, I don't know if I'm abstinent. I don't know if I'm not. I came in the year they tore up dignity of choice. So all they could say to you is, is talk to your doctor, talk to God, and talk to your sponsor. Well, I didn't talk to God. I didn't have a doctor. And I sure as heck couldn't get a sponsor. So I fell in with these group of, of men who... Um, had uh, severe mental health problems, had thousands of hours of therapy. 
that they were willing to share with me. And they would say to me, Ev, you're working too hard to get abstinent. That's not your job. You're wasting time. What your job is is to get well in all three aspects of this program. And we talked about wellness, total wellness in all three aspects of this program. So they sent me on a course that every day I had to become more well in all three aspects of this program. And part of being well is physical recovery. Part of being well is, 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 is having a normal weight. Part of being well is, and there's a range there. As you can see, I'm kind of at the high end of my range, you know, because I'm, I'm too short for my weight. But, <laughs> but um, they convinced me that I needed to be well. And part of being well is physical recovery. So, but they talk to me about eating nutritionally, okay? I'm the kind of person who ate the three hamburgers every meal, and I went down to one, okay? I did, and I ate hamburgers, you know, and I ate one instead of three, and I lost weight. I, what I found out that as the months go by and as my body adjusts to that, I have to start eating things that are more nutritional for my body, okay? And that's what I did. So what I did is I sought the promises. I worked this program the best of my ability every day. Some days it was better than others. And along the way, in a year and a half, I lost 115 pounds. No one was more surprised than me. No one. When I, w- I had lost 115 pounds, I was, still, I was still pinning up my clothes until somebody came to me, uh, this lovely little 15-year-old girl, and she said, why do you dress like that? And I go, what's wrong? You know, and she go. She goes. You should buy. You should wear clothes that fit you. I did not know that. You know, I was wearing size fifty five stretch pants, and so she took me shopping, and then I put the clothes on, and then I couldn't wear them because they felt too, in confining. So this fifteen year old girl, I'm in my forties, and she looks at me and she says, obviously. You're uncomfortable in your new clothes. You should bring them to a meeting, change your clothes, and practice wearing them in the meeting until you can walk out the door in that. And that's what I did for several weeks. I would show up early, go into the bathroom, change my clothes, and practice wearing my clothes. And then one day, I just walked out of the meeting in my clothes. The next day, I put my clothes on, you know? And, and that's, that's what this program has given to me. In order to keep my weight off, to keep 100 pounds off, I have, I have had to recreate my abstinence, my food plan, uh, several times because I have never weighed and measured my food. I have done it for five or six weeks at a time because if once in a while my apples get the size of watermelons, you know. And, and yes, I have to tell you that I still eat sugar. I don't eat it every day, but I plan for it. That's how I was raised in this program. And, it's, you have to, and you have to learn to be meticulous, too. And so I write down my food. No matter what I eat, I write it down. I don't apologize for it. I clean it up. And what I learned from these gentlemen was everybody makes mistakes, particularly me. If you've ever sat with me when I'm, I'm, I'm eating, I talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, right? And I'm shoveling food in my, my, my mouth. I'm not paying attention to what I eat. I look in and go, where's my dinner? I didn't even, you know, did I eat my dinner? You know, and because I tend to do that. 26 years in this program, I tend to do that. So I have to pay attention. 
I learned to pay attention with my meals. But what I also learned is when I must make a mistake and I realize I made a mistake, I clean it up right then. I don't wait till Monday. I don't wait to finish the meal. I don't wait to start tomorrow. What I learned was when I make a mistake and I realize it, and as when you're new in programs, sometimes you're eating stuff and you're going, oh, my God, I'm, I forgot what I'm supposed to eat. I'm not supposed to eat this. Clean it up and move forward. Move toward wellness. We continually talked about it, and these gentlemen were real clear with me, is you, every day is a better day and you keep going forward. So I'm not a big, big, big believer in slips. You know, I'm a big believer in slips. I'm not a big believer in, in you bro- I broke my abstinence. You know, if you broke your abs, you know, you know when you do, when you say, well, as l- I'm finishing this meal, and then I'm going to have candy, and then I'm going to eat this and this and this and this, and you're off to the races. Okay, then you start over. But on, I have been places where people are serving me food, and I'm not paying attention, and I'm talking, and then I'm going, wait a minute, I don't eat this. I stop. I stop. And I have been, I was given that gift. And over the years, I mean, I lost my weight, and I've kept it off. Have I gained weight? Yes. I have to tell you, I have gained weight in my abstinence, and that's when I have to rethink it. When I first came into program, I, I drove, uh, rode a bicycle because I, I uh, didn't own a car. I did heavy labor. I had a 10th grade education. I did a lot of lifting. I worked in warehouses. You know, and as soon as I cut back on just even three meals a day, I started to lose weight. When OA sent me back to school, big, big deal. You know, now I have an education and I sit, I sit at a desk and go like this. And I'm not exercising on somebody else's nickel. You know, when I stopped riding a bike and I started ride, uh, uh, driving in a car, uh, I'm missing out on exercise points for me. You know, and then I have to tell you, all the men go like this, cover your ears. I went through menopause. <laughs> the doctor guarantees you 50 to 75 pounds. Okay, I gained 12. I had to cut my food back to a point where I'm going, why am I even eating this? I don't even want to get the plate dirty. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm going, to, I mean, and, and I, had to, I had to adjust for that. Because you know what? As I've worked this program, as I've, everything I've gained in this program, not only have I kept my weight off, I've learned to, to, Proceed through my day and through my week and my month with some kind of dignity and some kind of grace. I'm so grateful for that. I, I like to inflame a situation. I tend to be very arrogant, and I like to put it all over you, and I like to make sure that I'm the top dog and not you, and I don't like most members of my new husband's family. They don't care for me. They don't even think I'm funny. You know, and I'm going like, what? You know, you know, they're still waiting for their father to go back to their, their mother who's been happily married to another man for 20 years. I mean, how can you deal with these people? You know, but what I'm saying is I know what my limitations are and I know what I can do. And I, know I do the best I can because what I've learned is the best thing I got out of this program is to live my life with no regrets and not have to make a lot of apologies. If I'm laying in bed at night talking to myself, when she says this and then I'm going to say this, I know that I just need to get it over with. And I can sleep through the night. I'm so grateful for that. Do I like my food most of the time? No, I cannot stand green food. 
I don't like vegetables. I don't like fruit. I'm not a rabbit, you know? But you know what? What I found out, what I was told 25 years ago was eat the salad. There's a particular word that goes in there. Uh, Evelyn, <laughs> it's 15 minutes out of your life. Get over it. My, my world is not my food. My world is my life. So I have the whole rest of, of these hours, and all I have is usually 15, 20 minutes here, 15, 20 minutes there. You know, it, as long as I eat enough food to make it through the, from one meal to the next, and my body is happy and healthy, and, and my mind is clear. I found out that there's a lot of food out there or combinations of food that cloud my thinking and my judgment and or make me paragant, uh, uh, paranoid, loud, arrogant, um, you know, the kind of person who walks across the crowded room and writes down your character defects and nails them to your forehead so everybody will know. And th- that's not a kind of person that gets invited to great parties, you know? And I wanted that. I have friends in this program. I have friends outside of the program. Who would have known I'm a good mother? I'm a good mother to an adult child who is difficult, and I've learned to do that well. I'm a better employee, um, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm no longer the Uber employee to make everybody look bad. I'm part of the team, and, and I'm a cheerleader. And I go, okay, we're all in this together. I wouldn't do it that way, but you know, that's a plan. Not my plan, you know, that's fine. You know, as long as we all get the work out. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm in my late 60s now. As cute as I am, who would have thought that would happen? You know, and I have energy, and I feel good, and I look forward to aging gracefully in this program. I'm trying to turn my personality and the type of person who, when when she's in the little assisted living home, somebody will come and take me to a meeting and take me to lunch, and and I don't want to be the crabby person that nobody wants to help give a shower. I need to have a shower every day. Sometimes twice. I mean, I, that's my favorite thing. And, I, you know, and I, I want to become that kind and gentle woman, you know? And for me, it, it started with the food. I found out that food poisons me, certain kinds of food, and my thinking. And it colors my judgment. And I don't, I don't interact well with others when I do that. And so I was trained that it's just 15 minutes out of my life. It may not be the meal that I would like to have, but it's just a meal and to move on. Because those four, hour, four and five hours between the meals, those are what count. That's what makes me hungry at the next meal is how I comport myself in those four or five hours. That's what I found out. And I, and I can tell you that things will get easier for you. As, as you go, oh, gee, it's becoming more and more restrictive. But I found out that that's the easier, softer way. You know, because I have trouble those four or five hours between the meals. And when I don't, my meals are better. And I offer that to you. And I want to thank you all for coming. And it's so good to see your smiling faces. Thank you. Is Joy A around? Anybody know? That's uh, supposed to be our third speaker. 
Anybody have any word on Joy A? Okay, we'll keep going and maybe Joy will come in. All right, uh, thank you, Evelyn. Our second speaker is Jean. Hello. I want more time if she's not going to show up. I don't know how to do 27 years in 20 minutes. Um, my name is Jeannie. I'm a child of God and a grateful compulsive overeater. And it is so good to see you all. Are you enjoying Palm Springs? I love Palm Springs. I've been here since Monday. I've had a facial. I've had a massage. I got a haircut. I've laid by the pool. I'm just having a fabulous time. And this is a, like the perfect weekend. Um, let me get the numbers out of the way. I have, I'll be 27 years abstinent, God willing, Jeannie going, um, August 3rd. And I've given away 175 pounds. Mm, I am not an easy chick with the program stuff. Um, someone would call me stubborn. I don't know. This is my third time around in the program. First time around in the program was in 1975. And don't start adding up numbers. I'll tell you, I'll be 60 in October. Um, and I came to a meeting. I went to I mean, Crawford's Corner for people who are from my area. I see a few of you in Alhambra. And there were about 300 people in the room. And during the break, um, this little woman, I want to say she was about five foot tall and about 110 pounds, came up to me and said, um, would you like some help? And I lifted her. Oh, and she was from Santa Monica. That's the other thing. And uh, would you like some help now? I was um, a fat chick from East L.A., and I looked at this woman, I'm six foot tall, and I look at this woman, I'm going, like, what the hell do I have in common with you? And, uh, and I was young, I was 21, and I went to a few meetings, out, like two or three after that. Um, I had just had a child, and I went to meetings like in Covina or something, you know, where... <laughs> This is awful. Where there were women, women in these meetings that now look like me, like I look today, and I didn't have anything in common with them, and I left. I left. Um, my second time around was, I don't know, about five years later, and um, I lost 100 pounds and discovered men. That was fun. Got married, left the program. And... Uh, continue to develop in, in my disease, um, in all aspects of my disease. And the husband didn't fix it. Are you surprised? <laughs> the husband didn't fix it. And I, I, and I had a child, too. I was not a good mother. And I was a horrible wife. I was very controlling. Um, and very, I just kind of learned from my mom what to do with a husband. And it uh, didn't work for her with her first husband. I don't know why I tried it. Um, and I was, one of my character, huge character defects was sloth. Um, when I read uh, how far down the scale we had gone, this is one of the things that was really big for me. I was like, just terrible. I was once evicted from a, an, a, an apartment because I was growing maggots in my kitchen sink. And it was horrible. So I'm at this point cleaning out. 
always had a third bedroom in the house so you could have a junk room. I was cleaning out the junk room, and I came across um, a foothill, a footnotes, which is a foothill in a group uh, newsletter, and looked at the meetings, and for just a split second, remembered how happy people were in these rooms. And I thought, people were happy there. Maybe you ought to go back. And I did. And I'd been coming back to meetings for about two or three weeks. And um, I was having a conversation with my cousin, who was with me my second time, in the pro- second time around in the program. And this is like a Wednesday night. And I said, oh, I've been going back to OE for a couple of weeks. Now, OE then was very different than it is now. And um, there were a lot of people in lots of rooms, and you could actually hide out in the room. Most of the means I went to, you could hide out. There was anywhere from 50 to two or 300 people. And that's what I did for two or three weeks. And so I'm talking to my cousin, and I said, oh, I've gone back to OA. I've been going, you know, meetings here and there for a couple of weeks. And she says, are you abstinent? And I said, no, no, that doesn't work for me. I said, I'm, I'm not going to do anything except hide out in the room, right? I'm not going to do anything until, this is so low, I'm so tall, um, until I get a sponsor. Now, I come from the kind of family, very close-knit family, you don't ask for help outside your family. It's like one of those forbidden things. You don't help, ask for help inside because you get yelled at, but you won't ask for help outside either. And um, two days later on a Friday night, I went to a meeting in Glendale where there were like 300 people. And at the break, this little um, five-foot-tall black woman from the San Fernando Valley came up to me and she said, you look like you could do some help. Would you like me to be your sponsor? And I had this moment where I knew, and this is like before cell phones, so this is like long-distance charges. She says, now, if your phone bill's a problem, I can have it. I said, no. I like grabbed her little wrist. I said, no, because I knew she'd been sent. I knew I had surrendered on Wednesday, and on Friday the miracle happened. I knew that something in the universe was listening, listening to me and arranging things to work out in my best interest. And that's my story of the last 26 plus years. Over and over again, when I get out of my way and let go and surrender, the miracle always happens. And it rarely looks like what I think it should look like. But it happens. Um, so, <laughs> having, I didn't know. There was a thing called gray sheet when I came. And, um, and then this woman tells me to call. And then I, so I go home after the meeting. And um, I had dinner after the meeting. And I stopped by and I got like a pastrami sandwich. Oh, my last meal. A pastrami sandwich and some french fries. I think I'm going to go home and eat because this woman tells me to call her at 6.30 the next freaking morning. Are you not supposed to? Okay, not supposed to do that probably. Um, and, uh, and I go home and I start to eat. And I didn't even finish half of it. So something had changed already. So I start calling her at 6.30 in the morning, and she puts me on this food plan called Gray Sheet, which is, um, because abstinence and food plan, when I came here, it was a very, it was the same thing. And it's not anymore. It's very different. 
Um, my absence today is that I don't eat mass quantities of food because that's what I did for many years, and I don't eat donuts. And it's pretty simple. And I have a definition for mass quantities of food. I don't eat more than two pounds of food in two hours. And I don't eat anywhere near that much. But that's what it was, and that's what it is. And, um, and we started to work the steps. And the miracles started to happen in my, in my life and in my family's life. I had a lot of anger. A lot of anger, a lot of resentment, a lot of attitude, a lot of sarcasm, a lot of hurt feelings. Before I got any sort of recovery, I was living in the world, being led by my wounds. Um, There's a new, um, I just saw this the other day. There's a new, um, before you take that first compulsive bite pamphlet, um, there's a, there's a line in that pamphlet. I have that pamphlet in my purse at all times. There's a line in that pamphlet that says, do not think, you know, do not feel sorry for yourself for even a split second that you can eat like normal people. I'm paraphrasing. And that's kind of like me. I like self-pity was running through my veins. And the new pamphlet, I love this line. It's, it emphatically says, avoid self-pity. Avoid self-pity. Because, you know, I was a victim of the world when I got here. And it, and it sometimes showed up where I was oozing with a wound. It sometimes showed up as aggression, as anger. It sometimes showed up as arrogance, where, I, you know, I acted like I was better than you. Um, when, indeed, I, I, I felt so less than. So less. So less than the rest of the world. And that's not who I am anymore not who I am anymore. Mm. So let's go to step two. Um, I grew up in an organized religion. So, and I've always been a spiritual person, but all those rules about God just didn't, they, they didn't work for me. And I left the church that I was raised in, and I started to take the words from the big book that described God, creator, infinite, higher power, and that's kind of where I started. And I started to develop that sense of faith. I once had a baby tell me not too long ago that um, I gave her direction. And she says, oh, you have more faith than I do. And I said, oh, no. I might have more evidence over the last 27 years than you do, but I do not have more faith. Each of us has taken a little step and see that it's worked, and see that the miracles happened. When something difficult comes into our life, somehow we forget. And then we need to be reminded by each other that, that, that you just can't take that next step in the program and the miracle is going to happen. And we all have that. Even if you've only been here for five minutes, we all have that. Um, and indeed, the miracles started. I was addicted to so much when I got here. I was addicted to rage. I was addicted to control. I was addicted to cheap drama. I was addicted to cigarettes. I was addicted to a bad attitude. I had so much stuff going on that just like... And then the other thing that happened when I first got abstinence is that I was like a freaking heroin addict with the food. I, I said to my sponsor once morning, oh, this, this abstinence thing, it's driving me crazy. 
All I do is scream and yell at my husband and my child. And she said to me, abstain from that. <laughs> and it was a novel idea. I, um, I grew up in what I, I describe as a loud family. We're a loud um, Irish Latin family. And um, everybody screams. Whether you're happy or angry, everybody screams. And uh, because there are four children and two parents, and you, you have to be heard, right? And, um, and it was such a novel idea, I thought I'd try it, and I did. And I stopped screaming in my home. And I don't scream at the people I love today. Even if I get irritated, I don't scream at them. And that's a miracle. I don't create cheap drama just to like get a thrill out of life. I don't need to do that anymore. I'm much happier with serenity. It is the easier, softer way. And um, so let's go to the third step. God's will. Um, I did the marathon topics. And um, one of them, as I put, is it God's will or is it ego? Do you know? You figure it out? I've had to figure it out. And it's pretty... pretty easy for me to know God's will clearly today with things. I'm not stepping on your toes and I'm not stepping on mine. Pretty easy. A healthy life. I listen to directions from my sponsor. Um, when um, angry at my boyfriend, I don't... T- oh, I lost the husband. That's the last thing that's happened in the last 27 years. When I'm angry at my boyfriend, I don't, I don't uh, attack him. I don't yell. I don't treat him as less than. I actually sit back and listen and go, okay, you think he's offended you? Why don't you, like, do a 10-step and figure it out before you jump down somebody's throat? Practicing these principles in all my affairs is pretty important to me. And I'm not perfect about it, but I do um, can feel in my gut these days because I'm not overeating when I've offended someone, when things aren't right, when I need to move the left or move to the right. Um, The thing about step three is when I first heard step three, I heard we turn our will and our lives and our lives over to the capriciousness of a God of our understanding. That's what I heard. Like some whimsical thing. Some oh I'm sorry, is it like ten minutes? Okay. Stand up and wave, Nan. Um so and you guys taught me that I was turning my will and my life over to the care of a loving higher power. And there was a huge difference, and it took me a long time to adjust. And I'm one of these people, I was born in California, but you would think like I'm from the show-me state because I needed things to happen over and over again to, um, like, get it through my thick skull. I'm going to tell you my God infinite story because I promised somebody I would, and I only have 10 minutes less, and it's a really long story. Um, <laughs> it's a really long story. Um, so they have these words in the big book, and then I went in search of a higher power of my understanding, leaving the old punishing uh, kind of God of my childhood behind. And um, I was about three years abstinent and when, this, when this happened. A friend of mine asked me to go to New York with her. She's in the entertainment business, and it makes a lot more money than I did at the time. 
And um, I said, well, I would have to talk to, I still had the husband, talk to my husband and see what was going on. It was November. I'm a, t- I'm a person who makes seasonal money from January through April. And so in November, you just are like the savings are going on until, until that happens. So money wasn't particularly fluid and it wasn't scarce. It was just what it was supposed to be at that time. And um, and she told me her boss would pay for the hotel, and I just had to come up with airfare and food, money. And um, so I talked to my husband. I fretted about it. I oh, and this is the other thing. I used to take. Now I know intuitively, intuitively what to do most of the time. But I talked to my sponsor. I talked to all my friends in the program. I talked to my husband. I talked to our roommate. I talked to everybody. I could. I just. La, 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 la. I don't do that anymore. I live closer to the vest now. You know, these days you have to, uh, like you, I trust you, you know, you, I, you have like, because you're here, I trust you to hear my story and to hold it. Um, so finally decided to go. This is like a month and I'm praying and I'm on my knees and I'm praying. And so I decided to, I make a decision to go. And I call her, oh, and that's the other thing, I'm a Libra, making a decision is just like, it's like terrible. I make a decision to go. And so I call her up and I tell her about a week later she calls me. And she says, oh, my boss is being kind of like weird and I don't know what he's going to do now. He says he's not going to pay for the hotel room and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I got this knot in the pit of my stomach. And I quickly got off the phone. I said, well, I don't, you know, I don't know what I can do. I got off the phone. And, uh, and it was disconcerting. I thought, I, at the time, I had, this is many years ago, I had this fantasy of like, like this winterland thing in New York. I think if it didn't snow, I'd live in New York. I'm a born native California, but I think I would. Because so I really like the city energy. And um, a few days later, I wake up. And this is one of those, the, when this was new to me, when my God voice, when my higher power wakes up and tells me something before my ego can take over my day. And I heard God say to me, you need to call her and tell her, and I hate this word, tell her that you don't know if you can afford to go. That, and and I'm like going, what? And I was quickly on my knees on the side of my bed, pounding on my bed, you can't make me, you can't make me, you can't make me. And um, that was just such a humiliating idea. You know, my poor girl from East L.A. was up in arms. She said, what do you mean we have to tell her we, can't afford, we may not be able to afford to go? There's no way. There's no way. But that day, like I know today, if I clearly hear God's will, that's the thing i got to do, no matter what. No matter what. And so I called her later on that day, and I said, you know... That changes things for me, and I don't know if I can afford to go. And she was very nice. I was kind of surprised. This is not like my best friend. This is like a friend, but not we weren't really close. And I was kind of surprised. She was just like she didn't say, what do you mean you don't have enough money, or you're stupid? She didn't say any of those things. And so this kind of knot that I'd had at the pin of my stomach kind of to like ease a little and go away, but it wasn't totally gone. And then I'm on a plane to New York. We decided to go. He did decide to cover the room, and we deci- I decided to go. So, but I still have kind of this gnawing in the pit of my stomach. And 
we get to New York, and New York is lovely if you've never been. And we went to the shishiest places. You know, went to Central Carriage and Central Park. I had my first dinner in New York at, what is that, the Trump thing that she, Ivana owns? The Five Seasons, Four Seasons, oh, I don't know, that big hotel. Um, went to FAL Schwartz, just having a good time. This nod is still at the pit of my stomach, and I'm like doing my prayer work in the morning. I'm asking my hair out, what the heck is going on? I'm here, I have enough money, spending money, what is going on? I don't know what you want me to do. Oh, I went to St. Patrick's Cathedral for my grandmother, and I lit a candle, and I said, oh, God, please help me, because this is not going away. Thank you, hon. And, um, and about the, our third day in New York, we're a tavern on the green. Now, this is the holiday season, and it's a beautiful place. And all the chandeliers, the crystals have been changed out with red and green, and it's a lovely, festive place. And I still got this knot in the pit of my stomach, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is awful. What's going on? I'm doing my prayer work every morning. I got my big book out. I'm on my knees. I'm going, let it go away. I just want to have some fun while I'm here. And um, so we're in this lovely restaurant. And, um, I mean, it was so bad that my dinner couldn't settle on my stomach that night. And we were having dinner, my friend and I, with a friend of hers who lived in New York, and the whole conversation was about her boyfriend dying in the cancer. I've got this pit in my stomach. I'm in this lovely place. I'm totally confused now. Kind of mentally left the conversation. I said, God, I don't know what's going on. I said, but you have to give me something. You have to give me something. This is so disconcerting. I'm upset. I'm in this beautiful place. If you want me to sit here and listen to this woman, I'm going to say the serenity prayer. Give me some patience because, I, you know, this is not what I, ex- what I expected it to be. And um, kind of mentally joined the conversation again. Um, I excused myself after a few minutes, went to the ladies' room. Um, things were pretty much wrapped up. And I walked into the ladies' room in Tavern on the Green, and this woman looked at me and she said, Hello, oh my God, I need to talk to you. I did not know this woman. She said, I heard you speak at a meeting in Glendale last year. And um, I need to talk. And we sat and talked. <laughs> Little did she know, I needed her probably more than she needed me. And that's kind of how my higher power appears in my life. Mostly because I'm hard-headed and I always say, please show me, make it as clear as the Hollywood sign if I'm confused about something. But I know that if I'm given direction, any direction from my higher power, that I believe is from my higher power, it is the easier, softer way to follow directions. And I know after this long in the program that when I get there, my higher power will be there. My higher power always has my back. Always. I'm going to give you a quick list of things that I've abstained from in the last 26 years. Um, oh, my gosh. I run a business. I now have three businesses. That's interesting. I picked up two this last year. Um, I've sold real estate. I bought real estate. I've gotten divorced. Um, I've learned how to date, and I'm now in love with a man who is non-angry. I have a, I am abstaining from angry men. Is that not a miracle? That's a miracle. Um, my only child died 15 years, 17 years ago. Um, 
Four years ago, an investment a company stole $130,000 from me. In my mind, there is nothing, nothing that I cannot abstain through, that it's worth eating over. And some of these things have almost sent me out of these rooms. And some of these things, I had, after my son died, I had open heart surgery. It broke my heart. But there's no reason in my mind to ever break my abstinence, to ever not keep coming back. I'm here, and I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you, Jeannie. Um, I'm going to try one more. Uh, Joy A. Is Joy A here? Okay. So we can do a couple of things. Um, uh, we can have uh, more time for... What, why don't we do this? And uh, raise your hand if there's any objections. Why don't we go ahead and uh, proceed to the questions for the panelists? And we'll just have more time for questions if we, uh, nobody, you know, we run out of questions and we still have more time. We can either take more pitches or we can close early, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Any objections? All right. So the meeting is now open for questions from the floor to the panelists. We ask that the speakers limit your share to three minutes and confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today. This session ends at Where do I begin to have a man in my life? Uh, my suggestion would be to do the work on page 69. Big book. I came in, there was no uh, big OA books. So I'm kind of a big book chick. And um, the work on page 69 is valuable. And I will say this. You know, people ask me all the time because they're that um, single women ask me all the time, my friends that don't date. And um, it's like anything else. Those 12 steps work in every single relationship on the planet. To carry those principles into your everyday life um, is no different with the man than it is with anything else. I'm not here to change a brother. I don't take his inventory. I come from a place, a whole place as best I can. I show up in God's spirit to have this relationship with him. My, when my ego shows up, I try to excuse myself before I say something stupid. That doesn't always happen, but I try. Um, and um, these principles in all my affairs. 
But that work on page 69 is invaluable. For our listening audience, we have a, a lovely woman who has uh, recently lost a 90-ish pounds, and in case you couldn't hear her, and uh, she is very uncomfortable with how she, not so much how she looks, and she's very uncomfortable with the reactions of everybody around her, which I can understand that. When uh, uh, I, I had the same problem, and people come up and comment, to you and 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 because we're not used to being the center of positive attention, it's so much easier. It's just like the lady. You, all, all of us know this lady. Says, "Oh, is that a new dress?" You go, "Oh no, this is old." You know, yeah, it's new. I just bought it from whatever, and I paid one hundred and seventy dollars for it. But how uh, women are trained to to respond like that? And what I was trained until I could get used to it. What I was trained to do was just was say. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And you move on. Um, it takes. It took me several years. When I started to wear my fitted clothes out of my meeting, I, rem- I remember this. The next week, I, I walked. I used to stop at the Seven Eleven and get a Diet Coke. And I walked in with my clothes. All of a sudden, I had the best service in town. I mean, I, I mean, the, and and. And this guy had seen me come in there every Sunday morning for, you know, two years. And it was all he could do to, to you know, pull himself away from talking to people to, to take my money. You know, he's going, oh, yes, you know, that, that, that. I had a whole problem for a year after I lost my weight with 
When I, when I was 115 pounds, when I weighed 250 pounds, I could walk out of a store carrying six bags of groceries and nobody would open the freaking door for me. I walk, and I, this happened to me. I went to the hardware store and I had this little, little bag of five screws, right? And I go toward the door and this woman said, oh, let me get that for you. And I was resentful for days, you know, because I was like invisible when I was fat in many ways. And then it, it was uncomfortable to get that kind of attention. And what I was told by the gentleman that helped me was everything with them was wait. Wait a year and then we'll talk about it. Wait 30 days and then we'll talk about it. If you want to change, then we will. And I was told that I was too... When I lost 115 pounds, these gentlemen said to me, okay, what are you going to do now? I didn't know that there was a what am I going to do now. You know, I was happy. I had, I had lost weight and made other the people more willing to sponsor me because I was on more of the party track. And, and I was told, they said, keep, you are required, I was spoken to very directly, to keep your weight off for a year and then we'll talk about it. And we talked about it, and, and I still make deals like that. And, and for years that they helped me, it was always, I'm uncomfortable. You know, when I changed jobs and I started to work with, with secretaries that, you know, spent thousands of dollars in their clothing, I was uncomfortable with that and get used to it. And, and, and I was told there was nothing in this world that was important enough to gain 115 pounds back. Okay, and so I did, and, and, and yes, it is uncomfortable, let alone you get the attention, and it wasn't really the attention with men, it was just like people in general, it's all of a sudden I wasn't invisible, and I was like, ooh, you know, it was creepy, but I offer that to you. Okay, so when I got here, I was six foot one, weighed almost 450 pounds, and I looked like a linebacker. So to go from that to this, it was a, it's a process. The only thing that I would, I would, would add is that I was taught to say thank you, and then immediately mentally I would say thank you, God, for my recovery. Because then it wasn't about me. It wasn't about my self-centered fear anymore. It was about my higher power and what I was being directed to do. Okay, so here's, here's a part of my story. I lost weight very quickly in the beginning. I lost like 125 pounds. And then 
my, my fellow members who were so sweet to me for many, many years heard me say, meeting after meeting, well, for a long time on and off, I need seven to lose 75 more pounds. I want to lose 75 more pounds. I want to lose. It was years before I adjusted enough to, and I lost another 50 pounds. And I still have another 40 pounds to go. I don't know when it'll come off. But I do know that um, I live my life in such a way that I continue to follow direction and weight. Apparently, I'm not ready to lose the last 40 pounds. Apparently, I wasn't ready to lose those 50 pounds that took years and years for me to lose. But here is what changed. What changed was everything inside of me and outside of me so that when I was ready to lose those 15, the last 50 pounds I lost, which was about eight years ago, that um, I was ready. I was all ready to fit in my new body because I was practicing the 12 steps. Please keep coming back. Of us who, uh, uh, those of us who are 100-pounders, we get all caught up in, in, in losing the weight and, and all of that stuff. But this is a lifestyle change. This is not a diet club. We're here to mend ourselves in all aspects of our, our, our broken mind, spirit, heart. And so I encourage you to not get caught up on Am I this, am I that, or I still need this to do? What I encourage you to do is to seek out wholeness and wellness in your life, in all aspects of your life. And along the way, I think it will happen for you. That's what it did for me. I had, I, I'm always intimidated by, by uh, beautiful, men, beautiful women and highly educated people. You know, I, I come from the wrong side of the tracks. And I can remember I had lost 55 pounds, and, um, and I was uh, at a, a teaching seminar on, uh, outside of the program on something else. And, and there was this uh, psychiatrist who was there, and she was leading the panel and everything. And I just thought that she was mean to me, you know, and I was very intimidated by her. And I didn't, and I didn't, I couldn't read people real well, but I remember her coming up to me and saying, and, she, and I was standing with my director, and she, was, she said something, and I said, I said, oh, I said, well, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a member of a 12-step program, and I can't remember how we got on the subject, and I said, and I've lost 55 pounds, and she says, well, you know, if you, if, um, if you lose all of your weight, then you won't have anything to hide behind, and you'll never be any more than you are today. I was, I was stunned because I thought that was the truth. I mean... Why, she knows more than I do. You know, she's highly educated. And I, I was laying in bed that night, and I was thinking about it and thinking about it, and I go, wait a minute, she doesn't know me, you know? And I told my director, I said, help me remember this, because I don't want to use that as, as something that will stop me from growing. But I was growing in all aspects of my life. And that has always, I, I, I urge you to focus more on that and not what you should do and could do, but on all aspects of your life. And I think you'll buy into the whole thing is of being uh, physically well. Physical, physically well people are normal-weighted. Physically well people get some kind of exercise. You know, I hate that part. 
you know, physically well people drink water instead of 13 Diet Cokes a day. Okay, that's my own personal last addiction. Um, and why would they? Why would anybody drink water when you could have Diet Coke? What I'm saying is, is you, you move toward wellness and you become well. And I would, I would encourage you to, to show up and keep practicing the steps and reach out to people so that they can reach out to you. And I think that will work. Thank you. We, we have a, a person who has lost some weight and then uh, and did very well and then had life happen and has put her program up on top of a box, in a box in the closet, and uh, now she's trying to, to get back on track. What I do is I go back to basics. I go back to basics. I read, you know, the, the same party line. I read my two pages a day. I write for five minutes. I get somebody, I call a sponsor. And, um, and I plan my food. And I, I'm, and, I, and I plan it within reason. You know, I don't go all the way into I'm going to be a vegetarian. You know, I mean, I, I plan reasonable meals, that I, and, and then I just start to do that day after day after day. And I pray. Okay? I'm not a great believer in God, but I pray anyway. And you know what? What I found as the years have gone by, because I've had... Several things happen that um, if I, it's not happening to you today. And if you, if you just go back to basics, I think, you know, go to a meeting, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to two meetings a week, I'm going to call somebody, I'm going to, you know, plan my food, and, and I'm going to try to read, I'm going to try to write, and go right back to the basics of the tools and everything. I think you'll easily pick it up. And, and uh, sometimes we have to go back and practice it again. You know, because I drift away, I drift away, and then I go, gee, everything it just seems to be bothering me, you know, and I'm not handling myself well. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm driving everybody crazy, and then I have to go back to basics. You know, even if it's the basic, for me, when I came into program, they, there was no um, food plan. All that was recommended was three, three meals a day, and sometimes that's the best I can do. Three meals a day, nothing in between. You know, and, and, and then you can start to to fine-tune it from there. But I, I think just you know, going back to basics may work for you. Okay, so here's, here's I was very fortunate um, when my son died um, in the fact that I had been in the program a number of years been about 10, 11 years, 
and that I had done every single bit of service on the planet in this program. I'd done coffee, I'd been secretary, I'd been an intergroup chair, I'd been a delegate, I'd been a treasurer, I'd been to world service, I'd even gone to region two one time. So when my son died, I had graced what I call grace chips. I had a savings account with God. And, um, and what happened when my son died, it was, and it was very dark. Trust me, it almost kills me. And what happened when my son died is not only did my son die, but people in the program, my perception was people in the program were not there for me the way I had been there for them. I lost everyone I sponsored. There was a young lady in the audience a minute ago. She was the only one that stuck through me through that whole time. I lost my sponsor. I lost the people I sponsored. And this was the party line at the time. Oh, you're going through such a difficult time. I just can't handle what you're going through. That's what my sponsor told me when I needed her most. And so what it taught me was that in those times, in everyday times, and in particularly in those darkest times, this is it, folks. It's me and God. It's me and God. It's me and God. And that's what I remember. And if I can't find my God in a particular situation, I ask, God, where are you? Really, I'm not meaning to walk away. Where's the opportunity here? What do I need to do next? So I was was really very fortunate with that. And then the the things that have happened in the last uh, few years, you know, I'm pretty cognizant of who I am and what I need to do. That really is the only time in my program. And it, and it was difficult. I, I went to few, a lot fewer meetings. Um, I think the first year, I, the first meeting I went to after he died, um, I got a combination of, oh, that's like my worst nightmare. I really want to say this did not happen to you. What the hell are you talking about? And, um, and then my friends who were like kind, but like really couldn't understand either. I went to, I went, I think my first year after he died, I don't think I went to 10 meetings. And I figured it out. That the steps are my roadmap to having a spiritual life with my higher power. And if you're here, I'm going to love you. And if you're not here, it's still okay. Anyway.
yourself or to mitigate it in some kind of way. And I'm just interested in hearing how somebody who's lost 100 pounds dealt with that problem. Okay, good question. We have a gentleman here who is new to the program. He's a newcomer, and he has a question about how do you deal with hunger? You know, and, and it's, it's kind of frightening. You know, I, I personally hate to be hungry because I don't know what it is. As soon as I start to get hungry, I'm 26 years in program, three times a day, I go, I don't feel good. I must be coming down with something. And then I learned years ago to count how long it's been since I've eaten, it, and I, I have to have five, uh, four to six hours between my meals. And, and then I go, oh, I'm hungry, you know. And, but what I did do is what I was trained was, it's particularly after you eat and, and you're still hungry, you know. It takes a, I found out it takes about 26 minutes for my stomach to start to talk to my head. I mean, I don't care how much food I eat, okay? And what I was trained was it's a perfect opportunity to make a phone call. Make a phone call, kill some time. Um, if, you, if we were in AA, they'd be telling us to go and clean the bathroom and, and make a bed or something because it keeps you busy until your head catches up with your craving. And what I was trained to do, because I don't, I can't sit still to read um, like literature or stuff or sit and write or something. I mean, it, it's still really low on my list. But it's a perfect opportunity to make a phone call. And you just call up, dial a name at random, and say, oh, how's your day going? You know, and t 10, 15 minutes go by, and I find out, even after all these years, that I'm no longer hungry. Okay? If I'm hungry in anticipation, there's another kind of hunger when things are going really bad. Uh, my husband is very ill, and it's gone on for a long time, and it's going to go on for a long, long time, you know. And I find my, and, and I'm, I'm going, I'm always hungry, I'm always hungry, I'm always hungry. You know what, I'm not always hungry. I'm always emotional. I'm always lonely. I'm always terrified. I'm always scared, you know. And, I, 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 and it, it feels more like hunger to me, like, oh, if I eat, I'm going to feel better. You know, and, and that is not true. So I try to identify that, and it's also a terrific opportunity to make a phone call. And I don't care what the other people on the end say. I don't care. I don't care if they want to even take my call. I'm, you know, I have found it to be very rewarding, very rewarding. Keep a couple numbers with you. And all you have to do, I'm going to tell you, and if you can't make, get a hold of anybody, turn to some, like I turn to people in the waiting room going, how's your day going? And by God, they'll tell you. You know, at church, they'll tell you, you know, out here in the, in, you know, if I'm struggling, and, I'll, and they'll tell you. And then it takes your mind off of it. It gives you some kind of perspective. And I offer that. I think it's a cheap, easy way to protect yourself. And, and, but you, you should be prepared. You know, have three numbers. You know, talk to somebody's voicemail. It doesn't matter. But help yourself. I totally agree. I have an exercise I give my babies called the index card exercise. They write down three to five numbers on an index card, not in your cell phone where you'll forget it. It's on your nightstand. It's in your desk drawer. It's in my wallet. 
So that if when I want to take that first compulsive bite, I have number, I call ahead to the people. I say, hello, can you be one of my people that I'll call in case I want to take it? And, and, and if they say yes, their name and number goes on my index card. Because it's so easy to forget. And I, I love the tool of calling somebody. The first time I, I needed to call somebody, I don't know how we know this stuff. Well, first of all, I didn't want to make phone calls in the beginning because um, I didn't want people in my inner group to know my business. And uh, so I would call. I did. I used to take the San Fernando, the 12-stepper, and I'd call the contact people on their list because they were 30 miles away from Pasadena. And, uh, and that God, that's the God's truth. And this one day, I'm coming home from work, and I don't know how I remember this. I was about three months absent, and I remembered. It was September 30th, tell you the day, and Baskin-Robbins has seasonal ice creams. And I just knew it was the end of the season. It was the last day they were going to be serving brownie, Maui brownie ice cream. And I lived two blocks from a Baskin Robbins, and I just, I don't know how I knew these things. You know, my mind makes up shit. And I got on the phone, and I started calling people. And I got bullshit, man. I got, don't eat no matter what. I'm like, three months abstinence, and ice cream is yelling at me. Don't eat no matter what. Keep coming back. Go to a meeting tonight. That was not taking care of the problem at hand. And the last phone call I made, I got this woman answered the phone. And I said, I, I really want to go have, like, this ice cream. And she said, you know, there's been a can of macadamia nuts in my cupboard calling me all day. I'll tell you what. You don't have the ice cream? I'll put those nuts down the garbage disposal. We'll have abstinence dinner and be about our business. And that was the end of it. The craving left like that. Okay. Uh, that is all the time we have for sharing. It is now time to close this session. Before I do, I just want to make an announcement. This was handed to me. For the Saturday night dinner, the doors will open at 6.30 p.m., not 6 p.m. See you there. So I guess that's different from what was originally planned. So if you all can spread the word, carry the message, thanks. Uh, they'll open at 6.30, not 6. Um... Let's thank our speakers and all those who have done service for this session. If you enjoyed this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session or any other sessions. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are available on CD or as an electronic download. Please join hands as we close with the OA promise, which is I put my hand in yours.